Michiana's first, best, and only show dedicated to craft beer and drinking music. Cool brews, hot tunes. This is music to my beers. Music to my beers on Real Rock 103.9, The Bear. Good morning and welcome to Music to My Beers. As you're working off that Christmas hangover, which I'm sure, you know, it being on a Saturday now, you're joining us and you're feeling uh, you're feeling a little ripe. Yeah, it's nice and presumptuous to assume that everybody that listens to this radio station has a horrible alcohol problem. Oh, maybe it's just me. I wouldn't say it's a problem, Warren. <laughs> no, no, it's not a problem. But uh, no, Zach's right. It's the uh, day after Christmas. We're very pumped. And this is actually a, very f- a first for the beer show uh, in, our, in our history. We're going to not talk about beer today. We're going to talk about, Zach, I've got a need. The need for mead. Yeah, let's do it. We've got Joe Kowarik in here. He's uh, not only a cust- uh, customer, co-worker with us, but he's also uh, a mead maker. You do this every single year. Yeah, yeah. I've been doing this since like 2006 or something like that, so about well, 14, 15 years. I'm excited to talk to you about this today because Zach and I know uh, literally nothing about mead other than it comes to us free from a guy next door. <laughs> so, hey, that's uh, all you need to know sometimes. Yeah, hey, you know, it's been getting me by so far, so we'll talk more about that. We'll meet Joe and find out exactly how we make mead and why we should be drinking it and here all these years that i've known you for five plus years i've pronounced your name wrong that's okay <laughs> okay well now 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 i've learned something and we're gonna learn more stuff today because we're gonna be talking about mead uh for starters for the uninitiated like myself what is mead so mead is basically an alcoholic drink that's got uh, honey as its primary fermentable sugar so you're basically using uh, honey water and yeast uh, you can add in things like hops and spices and things like that too so like today i've got a cherry uh, what's called a mellow mel uh, which is just a mead um, mm. and then an apple sizer they're just different versions of it because the uh, fruited flavors add a little bit different stuff okay so yeah that's kind of the basis of it it's one of the oldest fermentable drinks there's like evidence it was used in 7000 bc so oh, it even it even predates beer then yes Wow. So, and also, it's a highly fermentable sugar. So, typically, they're higher in alcohol content than, like, just say your, your normal five percenters. Right. Yeah. You can have some meads that are down to like three and a half percent, but that's going to be super sweet. But you can get up to like twenty percent with a mead. So. How old are you? <laughs> Thirty-seven. <laughs> how does a thirty-seven-year-old guy come into? Because you're not a newbie at the mead game. When did you first get into mead, and how did you start? making your own. Yeah. So when I was probably about 13 years old, I got into beekeeping with my dad because we have a farm mm-hmm. out in South Bend. And, uh, you know, that was just kind of for 4-H and for fun and things like that. And we had like half a ton of honey, like a thousand pounds of honey. And so we figured, well, what are we going to do with all this? And I started looking up ideas. I'd been doing a little bit of brew- uh, beer brewing before then. And I found a simple recipe for mead because it's incredibly easy. Uh, and we have apples on our farm as well. So I thought, well, okay, let's, uh, let's take those apples and that honey and make something tasty. So you're making mead from 100% your own farm ingredients. Yep, that's the same with the cherry mead, too. Those are our cherries that, uh, that I grew. Hey, do we have any uh, what, investors? What, the farm's a table is going on? <laughs> <laughs> any investors want to take on Joe? <laughs> Joe and Kuherik. 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 Oh, this is going to be great. Oh boy! And, yeah. and after more meat, I'm just I'm just going to start calling you Joe. <laughs> yeah, Joe. there you go. <laughs> uh, well, let's let's first let's try the uh, the first meat you want us to go through, and this what one do you want to start with today? So uh, probably the cherry. So I've got the cherry, and then I have the apple sizer from last year, and then I have this year's apple sizer. Bottle opener. Yes, please. Uh, which is not 
it, it's not ready yet. It's still going through secondary fermentation and conditioning. Okay. So I've put it on oak chips to try and add a little bit of vanilla flavor to it and a little bit of oakiness. Ooh. So you're going to be able to tell the a massive difference between last year's and this year's. So. And for people who aren't Facebook friends with Joe Kuharik, Zach, <laughs> um, when do you start making mead? Like when's the good mead season? Obviously, you have to you have to wait for the the fruit to be ripened if you're going to be involving any of that. But your your bees and your honey and when does it all come together? Yeah, um, so it can happen kind of at any time. But for me, with the apples, uh, it usually will happen at the in the fall when the apples are ready. Okay. Um, and this cherry mead that we're about to drink here now, um, that I did in, I think, July or something like that. So it really is just kind of dependent on the fruit that you want to use if you're using fresh. So, you know, you can go to the store and get frozen if you want to uh, and use something like that if you don't have access to fresh fruits. But Now, start to finish, how long does it take to make a batch of mead? So it depends. This, I was lucky. I added some pectin enzymes, so... That breaks down Dude, the love pectin <laughs> <laughs> It breaks down the uh, skins that are uh, part of the fruit. So there's the fruit wall or the cell walls um, are made of pectin, and adding that will break it down and clarify it because otherwise well, it's super cloudy. Do you realize the odds of us wanting to do a mead show for music to my beers, and we work with a guy who makes mead and knows enough about it <laughs> that we can just sit here and sip and listen to Joe talk for hours on end this morning? <laughs> I'm, I'm curious too. So you didn't have to like skin anything like when it came to the apples or the the cherries or anything like that? No. So the cherry specifically um we pitted them and crushed them uh to kind of release the juices and store them long term so i've still got some frozen you get some definitely some cherry up front obviously you you get a lot of that with the color you're you're looking at a red Um, nice clear it looks like a red like one of those uh sweet wines yeah you'd get and this is not sweet so this was montmorency cherries so they're sour cherries yeah that drinks like a little bit like a cab like a dry red wine a little bit or rosé. Yeah, it mm-hmm. gets you right in the right in those pucker corners in your mouth. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it, and I like it because you're right. It's not it's not sweet. It's it's sour, so it feels like there's a little more there for you to wrap your taste buds around. What does this clock in at for ABV? This is 10.75. So it doesn't oh. taste like any of that at all. Mm-mm. No, no, that is so smooth. It's like you don't get that like any burn or anything from it too. What and this was from last year? This or, was this year, 2021. Oh, this year. Yeah. What was your first mead you ever had, Joe? The first one I ever made? or the No, first the first one you ever had that you thought, okay, because mead to me is not something I would jump into if I didn't know what it was. <laughs> and I think the very first guest we ever had on Music to My Beers was Peter Wilde from the Black Dragon Meadery right. uh, up in yeah. Michigan. That was the first guy we knew around town or in the region that was making his own mead, and he obviously is selling it and has a lot of success with that. But you had to have tried a mead first to think, I'm going to rip it. I had never tried a mead before. Really? I saw the recipe, and I was so new at brewing. I was like, this is a simple recipe. I can handle this. I can do it. And I made it. And I'm like, well, that drank pretty good. So, <laughs> now, since, but so, now, since you've been into mead, is there, are there other meads you've tried where you thought, oh, they're doing this is fantastic, or I like what they're doing here? Yeah, there were a couple. So um, I've been, I started doing last year, I made my own little beer advent calendar by just going to, you know, local Oh, we can stores. follow your shenanigans on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and uh, so I've just kind of tried some different ones and tried to get out of the, um, the norm of what I've uh, had. And I had a couple last year. Uh, the names escape me right now. But uh, there was one that was like a raspberry mead that was really good um and um what's that nearby meadery um not honig um is it the um, one that releases the vikings blood yes is that the, that's the one i i I'm blanking on the name too i am but i've got a bottle like of it downstairs it's that bee nectar so, yes no? it bee might nectar? be it's nectar what was the one the breakfast magpie there's that one too oh yeah that was like they were like a cider 
company, but they also, I think, delve into me a little mm-hmm. bit. I don't know. And if you're yeah. listening, thinking, wow, they didn't do any research, ease up, man. It's the day after Christmas. Like nobody <laughs> Absolutely. Does, nobody does any work on. this stretch between now and, uh, and New Year's. <laughs> so how many different batches of meat have you made since you started? Oh, gosh. Well, probably one every year for the last 15 years. So You started bringing mm. those around here three or four years ago. You started popping up with bottles of meat around the holidays for us. That Yeah, that would have been about, let's see, 2016 or so, yeah. I think. So. Yeah, so we've ha- we've had your mead before. Now we're we're doing the entire spotlight on our uh, our buddy Joe Kuharek from across the hall. And, Joe, uh, yeah, he's our part of the show. <laughs> he's our mead maker. And as a rule, as we begin and end every segment of this entire show, the day after Christmas, we have to say, "I feel the need, the need for mead." I do have one question: What is easier, uh, mead or beer, when it comes to making? Oh, that is a really good question. Um, I guess it depends on how you're starting. You know, if you don't know anything about brewing. Uh, I think mead is a little more forgiving because truly you can make a mead without actually cooking it and boiling it on a stove. Uh, in fact, a lot of the traditional meads, they don't do that. It, it'll just be put out into the sun to ferment that way. Uh, and a lot of people will say that um, by cooking it, you're actually breaking down a lot of the sugars and reducing a lot of the flavors. So some guys, um, you know, I'll post some of these on Instagram and people from like Norway, uh, you know, a lot of the uh, Nordic countries will like like my posts and comment on it, and they don't do it that way. They'll just let it kind of sit out and ferment that way. So my guess is that the Vikings didn't do it that way. You didn't cook it. You know, they would yeah. just let it sit out and to the natural of, yeast from the air. Exactly. That's amazing. And so their flavors are probably much different than what we've got. We're here with Joe Kuharik, our local mead making buddy, and uh, we're learning all about mead today. We thought, hey, you know what? What, an, what a unique way to close out 2021. And we've talked a bit about mead here and there on the show. Not a not a ton. Um, I went out to Superstition Meadery out in Prescott uh, a couple of years back and got to try their meads, and um, they were they were great. They were, if, if it's like a white chocolate, you're going to taste like a white chocolate, and it was it was pretty cool. What struck me most about the experience is how friggin' expensive like they like mead is. Why is mead so much more expensive than beer? Is it because of the honey? Because it, honey's a ton of money. Yes, it honey? is because of the, the honey <laughs> money. The honey money does make it more expensive. Yeah. So you know that's been a challenge even since I've been beekeeping. You know, twenty some years ago when I started. Uh, you know, there have been issues with insects and things like that that have harmed bees and pesticides and all that. So the bee population has really kind of declined, and there haven't been as many local beekeepers that provide that kind of thing. So getting it on mass scale, you know, you're looking at like Sioux Bee honey, and that's going to cost you money if you mm-hmm. want to brew. So you're going to have to buy it in bulk, and it's just more difficult to get honey to do that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, hops and wheat, you know, you can grow that in the field and have mass fields and have mass quantities and it's just a lot easier and cheaper to produce that and make beer so and you were saying something a minute ago we're drinking uh joe's cherry mead and mm. it's it's not a sweet cherry it's not like zach said like a sweet wine this is it's much more tart and it hits you right in the corners of your mouth and you said that's what that does that those are tannins um so Boy, tan- what a nerd this is great this is like the mm. perfect gast right here i know <laughs> i can ask him literally anything my, my dude's got a great answer for it <laughs> he could be lying i don't know but you sound like you know what you're talking about <laughs> so tannins are what's in the fruit themselves so you get that a lot in wine um red wine especially like a cab or a merlot or something y- yes that i always hear like when i go wine tasting when i'm uh, you know more refined than i am <laughs> I always talk, and they're, they mention tannins, but I don't even know what it is. Yeah, so tannins are acids. Uh, well, they might not be acids. They might be something else. Um, but they're they're in the skins and the um, stems of fruits. Okay. So you, I've let this sit on the actual skins of the cherries for, I think it was about a month or two months. So 
the juice pulled out a lot of those tannins from the skins, and that's what added that flavor that you're feeling on the sides of your mouth. And you can feel them also on your tongue, um, or you can get like acids. So this is not a very acid-driven uh, mead, but acids you kind of tend to feel. It's what makes your mouth kind of feel like it's watering a little bit. Uh, makes you want to take another drink of whatever you're drinking. Now, but tannins give you that drier dryerness. Now you mentioned you live on a family farm, and this is all stuff that the Kuharic family does. You have your own. How big is your bee swarm? Uh, well, at our height, we had, I think, something like 15 hives, but it's been a lot more oh. difficult. You know, I went off to college, started working, um, so my dad kind of went pared the back city. a little bit. Yeah, went to the big Left city. Left the farm, <laughs> rain on the scarecrow, blood on the plow. <laughs> exactly, yeah. So if, if you were to sell this, let, let's say that, uh, that, Joe, you start your own meadery, would you have any idea what you would even charge for this? Because a, a lot of that cost to me, if it's centered around the honey, like, and because you're growing your own produce, like, you'd have to sit down and figure out how much... How much is this going to cost uh, Joe Public to pick up? Right, yeah, that, that a lot of that goes into it. So fortunately, cherries aren't too difficult to care for. You really, the biggest problem you get with that is you have to harvest them when they're ready because mold grows on cherries very quickly. Mm. And it's that time of year that when they're ripe that if you miss it by a day or two, uh, you've got mold all over the place just because there's so much moisture in the air oh, and wow. it's so warm. Oh. And birds will get in and they'll start pecking too and they'll steal your profits. So you really have to harvest very quickly. Um, but so this six gallons that I made, I used, uh, what, like 12 pounds of cherries? You brought notes even. I did, yeah. 12 wow. pounds of cherries for six gallons. So that kind of gives you an idea, yeah. And off of two trees this year, we picked probably, oh... Somewhere in the neighborhood of like 100 gallons worth of cherries. Now, some of that we gave away and some of that we used for pies right. and things like that. But, yeah, so well, it's probably 60 gallons worth of mead I could have made off of that. And you're doing it the all-natural way, too, because I think in a lot of different, like, especially breweries and stuff, will sometimes try to pull out those extracts and whatnot, not for the full cherry flavor. But this is, like, all-natural that you guys grow on your farm. I'm actually yeah. I'm going to be spending a couple of days in Traverse City uh, around ah. the New Year, and that's a city that's notoriously proud of their cherries. Are the cherries I'm going to find out there different than the ones you've grown around here in Michigan? Are they the same strain? What are we talking? So, yeah, they have different varieties, um, but they probably also will grow the Montmorency. Uh, it's a very popular sour cherry variety, uh, but they also have, like, the Bing and, like, the really dark dark cherries. Um, so sweet and sour, it kind of depends. We also have some sweet cherries that we grow. Um, but I didn't want to use sweet cherries in this because you run the risk of it tasting like cough syrup. Mm. Uh, so I really kind of wanted to see what the sour cherries would taste like. And I, I mean, I think it kind of ended up where I wanted it. But I had no idea. Like this recipe specifically, I kind of made it up and was just like, well, let's see what happens. You know, I know that I had a base for water and honey. And I said, well, let's add 12 pounds of cherries and see what the heck happens. And this is what I got. So World class. Now, this next mead you just opened up, we had the sort of the bitter cherry, the sour cherry mead. What's this one? Because this is obviously golden in color. It looks almost like a... It almost looks like hop slam from a diff- distance. Yeah, and doesn't have a whole lot of carbonation in it or anything. Yeah, like so with most meads. The the carbonation that's something I struggle with a little bit when I'm working with mine because I don't um, I bottle carbonate all of mine, and so it's really tricky to kind of get the right amount of sugar because if you overdo it, then you're going to get something that's gonna you're going to get a bottle bomb. Oh yeah, and I mean there's so before. much <laughs> yeah there's so much sugar with these that I'm a little leery and I've played how, with that. How carbonated should a mead be ideally? Because obviously wine has no carbonation, beer has loads. Mead falls somewhere in the in the middle, or is it is it the the brewer's choice? It is kind of the brewer's choice. Um, so I was actually hoping with the cherry mead that we just tried, uh, I wanted to get a little bit of carbonation in there because I really thought.
thought that effervescence would kind of bring that flavor up a little bit mm. because I like it yeah. where it's at. But I, I really think that effervescence will just kind of lighten it because, you know, like you said, Warren, it doesn't taste hot. You know, it's not very alcoholic in, yeah. in, in taste. And so that carbonation would kind of like lift that a little bit more. So that's something I've got to play with next year. Make it a little bit like a, a sparkling wine, rosé, right. or, or even like hard seltzers. Like I've had seltzer mead or not seltzer mead, but like carbonated mead ish stuff i don't know i had it at hop station the one time i might have to check out in my scroll back and you're untapped yeah look in <laughs> so, there. so what is this so this is uh my apple mead so this is the mead that i've been making for more than a decade now um it's fun because you get a really a, like a fresh apple nose mm-hmm. like it tastes like you've been to the donut mill and the side you've you know <laughs> gone to the, the cider and but then you drink it and you kind of get that like a, almost like a warm apple cinnamony kind of taste where it, it takes on more of an apple pie sort of flavor, mm-hmm. but but I like that the the fruit is forefront. These are your apples. Mm-hmm. What's the That's ABV correct. on this one now? Uh, so this one is thirteen point six five percent. Look at the legs on it too, as you let yeah. it come off the glass a little bit. It just like slowly drips down the side. That's amazing. Yeah. So this one, so I used a yeast strain called Cote Blanc, uh, which is a common yeast strain for winemakers to use because it really brings out a lot of apple flavor in things. Mm. Um, and so with this, you know, you get a lot of that honey and apple flavor. And it, I mean, it's a night and day difference if you drink it cold versus drinking it warm. Um, so this is, it, this tastes a lot thicker and a lot more honey-like to me when it's cold. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do get a lot of that apple flavor out of it. And so this is, this was our 2020 version that I made. All right. Mm. And so I've, I've also brought, which has not been bottled yet. It's still conditioning is the 2021 version. Wow. The, of the streets don't even have it yet. <laughs> That's <laughs> right. Preview. It's like a listening party for a hot mix. Tape. <laughs> <laughs> um, we're going to get to the B movie segment here. Uh, it's, we pair, if you're familiar with the show, we pair movies, we pair it with uh, music and, and throw on some movies. Zach, go ahead. I'm, yeah, it's, I'm it's, lost in the meat over yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We pair uh, the movies and beers in our, our, simple rating system of one beer being the best movie you've ever seen at 12 makes this movie an absolute drain pour so we're going to kick off with the b movie and now a thinly veiled reason to talk about more alcohol let's take our beers to the movie with music to my beers b movie and zach picked the movie this week you had a perfect time man christmas is over so we can move on for the christmas movie yeah Mm -hmm. and i thought well you know we're drinking mead it has to do with honey and this segment's called b movie i don't know that we've ever done the B movie, B double E, um, with Jerry Seinfeld, Renee Zellweger, and I think there's some other. What's a Renee Zellweger? <laughs> <laughs> um, but the movie, like, it's surprisingly... have you seen it? Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. My kids, they there for a hot second. That's all we watched on Netflix was B movie, and I also thought it was weird. I think that even came out in an article, like as of recent. Um, his as the B. His relationship with the female. There was something there. problematic about it because I read the same article where he's yeah. like apologizing for it or he had, or it didn't age well. well no. yeah, he's like asking her, Do you like jazz music? Yeah, he was like hitting on her. She's yeah. a married woman and he's a bee, and it's like, it's very weird. That would be a, just a weird version of bestiality, right? Would, it, would you include that in there? I don't know. Do insects count for that? Are they bees? Insect allergy? I don't know. That's a strange. It would be Bees a don't have comment. a lot of agency. You know what? We'll, put, <laughs> hey, we'll throw it on a good Christmas Twitter poll. <laughs> <laughs> but I would give uh, that movie probably. I'd give it six. I'd say six breakfast magpies, and that's about as close to a meat as I can think of right now. I think I'd have to look it up. 
in my untapped check-in. Um, boy, you know what? I've never seen this movie, and I and because I don't have kids, it's and bad. It, well, it might be. <laughs> well, it might be. A, it might be. Geez, I don't know. Maybe I'll have a niece or a nephew that'll make me sit down and watch it to watch it with them. But um, I can't. Under, I couldn't predict the circumstances that would lead me to sit down and watch B movie <laughs> as a as a grown adult man with no no kids. But I do like Seinfeld, and I do appreciate. Like I, I grew up with the old style animation, the Little Mermaid, the Lion King. Mm-hmm. So when Pixar stuff came around, and that's the way things got animated, like I still love that stuff because it reminds me, like, man, that was groundbreaking when Toy Story came out. You remember that animation? Everything just made the switch to CGI, and you thought, "Ooh, this is pretty to look at." Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and give this one six pack of Hop Slam because it uses honey, Ooh, and yeah. I'm gonna need to get good and ripe while I'm watching this movie because you know, again, alone, dude, kids movie. So, <laughs> uh, with that, I'll turn things over to our local mead expert. Would you be the leading, the foremost? Mead expert in the Michiana region, Joe Kuharik. I mean, I wouldn't say no to that. All right, <laughs> but I don't know. I don't. There are not too many other uh, mead makers in the area, though. Oh, no. so have you seen this movie? I have, though it's been a while. I think that movie came out in like early two thousand, something like that. I think around two thousand five, yeah, or so. I'm yeah. a little biased because you know it was it's, one of the first big projects I think Seinfeld had. Seinfeld did after the the show went off the air. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and I think there was some weird promotions stuff that he did with that too. Yeah, but, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. For me, maybe uh, two shots of Mad Dog Twenty Twenty. Wow! <laughs> All right. Yeah, you know it's kind of sweet and kind of nice, it's but like also it's, yeah, it's a little like woof, a little too syrupy for me. <laughs> so here, here's something to try with that that breakfast magpie. It's a black raspberry mead mm. that they then infuse it with coffee and other uh, berries and stuff. So maybe something to try out. Infusing yeah. your next me with coffee. Yeah. When it comes to finding this show on the interwebs, we're pretty much everywhere. Uh, everywhere you want to be. Facebook, Facebook groups, Twitter, um, Instagram. Just search for Music to My Beers. Join our Facebook group, please. It's so cool. We post all kinds of videos or uh, news articles. If we find out something first, like, you know, when the Sun King Brewery is coming into Mishawaka, we'll post an article up there so you can see it. And uh, like, tag your friends, um, invite them to join, too, on the group. Yeah, follow our Beer Shirt Thursday uh, saga on Instagram. Just search Music to My Beers. You'll come up with our Twitter link. And also, the show is podcasted every Monday just after lunch. So even though we're all on vacation, more or less, uh, come business hours Monday, this thing will be podcasted. And that brings us around to Joe. Now, you're big into, you're big into mead, obviously. So I'm, I'm going to guess there's somewhere on the Internet where mead enthusiasts and brewers congregate. <laughs> well, it's just like anything on the Internet. I mean, there's spots for everyone. But, you know, I don't... Well, you're like the moderator of a big mead <laughs> message board. <laughs> yeah, yeah B-Guy 101. Yeah, yeah right. Group admin on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Uh, so I don't really... I'm not part of any, like, major mead following groups. Um, but, you know, I mentioned Instagram a little bit earlier. And a lot of what I'll do is I'll just look at the different people who are kind of, like, liking the things that I like and... Uh, the, the things that I post about and what I find interesting is a lot of the ways that the Europeans and you know specifically the Nordic folks um, are doing their mead because they're a lot more even the guys today are a lot more of the traditional style of you know we talked about putting it out in the sun and fermenting it that way so I find it really interesting to see what people thousands of miles away are doing with what's yeah. tr- a traditional style for them. What are a couple of good hashtags to search out on Instagram if you want to find out more about uh, that kind of stuff? Mead porn? <laughs> no. <laughs> Mead porno? <laughs> <laughs> Meeting rainbow? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, if you're really just looking in general for mead, you know, hashtag mead is a good one. Um, or you could just look for basically anything general. Can people follow you? What's your Instagram handle? Uh, that's a great question. I think it's at SkippyJoe27. That's a nickname I've had for a long time. 
I obviously uh, don't look at my name very often. I was say, I'd like that you're hardly aware of your own Instagram <laughs> handle. <laughs> you know, I don't navel gaze a lot, okay, Warren? I'm sorry. Oh, man, I'm all about that life. Jeez, <laughs> uh, boy, I don't even know how to tell. Yeah, well, yeah, you can find me. Just look for Mead pictures. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I can, and, I'll keep looking it up. And you yeah. are a, a world traveler. For those that don't know, where have you been? Have you been to Norway to see, like, how they do Mead or? No, I would love to, though. So I've gone to Iceland. Oh. Uh, Iceland was one that I went to. Um, their beers are really interesting. Uh, they're much different because it's a very rocky country, so it's hard to grow stuff. So that's why a place like Iceland would be great for Mead because you can have bees that pollinate stuff and get honey, but you're not necessarily growing hops or wheat or anything like that. So. Uh. But, uh, yeah, they're Germany, Czech Republic. That's, you know, Pilsen and Pilsner beers, the birth of that. And that's uh, So that region over there, would, probably, was, would that be, like, considered the birthplace of mead or, like, the mead belt, maybe, how we would consider Germany? Like, the, the, the that's the where brewing kind of became a thing. Like Iceland, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, so anywhere from Iceland to Norway to Denmark, all along those, you know, the northern... Um, Scandinavian countries? Exactly, yeah. Huh. So all of those places, that's kind of where mead... It found a really big resurgence. So, like, anywhere, you know, like Egypt and even India, you know, they were making mead, you know. You've been making mead now ago. for 15 years locally. And I guarantee you, man, when you started, there were not meads you could just go out and buy on store shelves anywhere. So, was it weird for you to have been in the hobby for this long and now see, like, you know, you can go to just about any bottle shop in Mishawaka, South Bend, and Elkhart and find a mead somewhere. Yeah, it's very interesting, but it's very cool. I like that. Um, for when I first started, when I would tell people, oh, I've got some mead for you to try, they would think I'm saying meat. And they're like, I don't want to try your meat, man. Like, I don't know. I mean, back up. Well, until, I, <laughs> until I actually had some, I always laughed at, like, mead was like the Ren Faire drink. Like, you know, your, your goblet of mead. All uh, the pirates. Well, and, yeah, and, I, and I didn't really even know what it was. But to me, when you said mead, I'm like, okay, Ren Faire guy. Like, you get smoked turkey leg also. <laughs> yeah, it's very different. And it's, it's, it's grown a lot in the last decade or so, I'd say. And I think that's great. You know, anytime that a, a passion like that can get picked up and shared among people. It's always a positive. So, uh, what's your favorite mead that you've tried that's not yours? Ooh, I had one. Uh, so they used to have uh, the bottle caps and corks amateur right, beer making right. competition over in yeah. Elkhart, and there was a guy there. I can't remember his name off the top of my head, but he made some homemade mead, uh, and his was just really light and flowery, and it had just this nice like clover honey flavor. But it was like drinking clover water, and. Mm. I've never had anything similar to that, but that was probably one of the best meads that I've ever had. And what did that clock in it? I think that was somewhere around 10%. Wow. So, Can yeah. you imagine liking mead, but not having ever to post it? Like, there's no untapped for, like, you know, homemade <laughs> meads my and mead. stuff. Yeah, <laughs> rank my mead. And it's time to split one here on Music to My Beers. It's Cluck, it's Zach, it's Sunday, it's after Christmas. Our buddy Joe Kuharik from Next Door in the company is in, and you're like, why are you having a coworker on? Well, it's tough to get guests during the holidays, but also... Joe is a mead maker and has been for the last decade and a half, so we don't know anybody with more mead making experience. And wow. we just had your apple mead from last year, and we're about to, for the split one, taste this year's version. How old is this mead in this glass you just poured? Uh, I made this, jeez, I started it in October of this year. It was a little later this year than I normally do. Okay, Usually so I start it, in September. It's like freshy, freshy. Very fresh, yeah. And still not bottled. The first thing I notice is that the body is uh, it's lighter. It's cl- it's a little more translucent than the last one. Yes. And um, if you put your nose on it, it's it's a little, I, I don't know, It's I don't know if fresh is the right word or, or what I'm thinking, but it almost smells a little more sour than the last one. And 
Now, what kind of apples, because you grow your own apples, you raise your own your honey uh, with your own bees, what kind of apples do you use for this? Yeah, so the 2020 version, I just used two varieties. That was our Yellow Delicious and our Double Red Delicious, okay. uh, which is a very – most people don't have Double Red Delicious. It's a very – I wouldn't say rare variety, but it's not one people normally more grow a, or find at a store. More of a boutique. Uh, <laughs> yes, <variety>. a boutique <laughs> apple, exactly. Um, so this one we use seven different varieties of apples in. Uh, let's see. I had the Golden Delicious, Criterion, uh, Jonathan, Johnna Gold, Johnna Free, Freedom, and the Double Red Delicious. I didn't even know there were all those apples, too. When you go down like the Martins and you see all the – I'm like, <laughs> okay, hey, Gala. Gala looks good. Yeah, there's the, bag that I, there's the bag of apples that I buy. Then there are the individual <laughs> ones that the elites buy. <laughs> Can't have money. The first thing that I noticed is that um, – yeah, Zach's right. The nose is a little – it almost it smells a little – not, like, not sour in a bad way, way but it, it smells a little more tart. Right. But then you get less of that apple sort of dessert – flavor that you got in the last year now what happened dry we know what what happens very well when you barrel age beers or when you age beers in the cellar the flavors will change sometimes they mature other times they fall off what happens to me when you keep it and how long can you keep it so i a lot of it depends it's just like a wine you know the amount of uh acid that you have is going to help it you know retain its flavor longer and a lot of the residual sugar is going to help it stay fresh longer uh this because there was a lot of sugar in it should last at least for a year or two um, I did add extra acid to this because honey is a very low acid fermentable sugar. Mm-hmm. So in order to create the right conditions for a mead to ferment well, sometimes you have to add acid back or you have to add uh, what's called yeast energizer, which basically just is like a superfood for yeast. So it creates this really ideal condition. It's like sitting on a couch and having like all of your Cheetos and Funyuns and everything ready to go. And you don't have to order a pizza. The pizza's already there. The yeast just goes to town. So you don't have like a basement or like Joe's big barrel aged basement. Where you've got mead from like the last five years. Like this is, it's kind of an enjoy that year or the next year type of uh, get up. What happens to yeah. it after that? Does it go, does it go bad? It, I haven't really had it go bad on me. Uh, it generally hasn't lasted more than a year, but truthfully, I mean, you could put it in an oak barrel, like an actual oak barrel and age it for, you know, three, four years if you wanted to uh, in that barrel. Um, and it would still be okay. And you could still ferment it or still uh, bottle it after that. So, and it doesn't mold or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Wow. No. So to you, what tastes the difference between this year and last year? So I haven't tried it cold. That's kind of why I'm sitting here warming it up a little bit with my hands. How, do you, how are you supposed to drink mead? As long as we're finding out everything we need to know, because uh, some people take their stouts cold. Some people like to wait until they warm up to almost room temperature. Mm-hmm. Do you put ice in mead? Like, how do you drink this? I wouldn't put ice in it. Uh, though, you know, if it was a really sweet uh, sweet mead, I might consider putting some ice in it just to kind of, you know, pare dilute it back it? a little bit and mm-hmm. dilute it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I really, I like, I prefer the drier styles. So, I mean, you saw with the cherry, that was much drier. This one, the 2021 version is much drier. The 2020 was very sweet. Um, and so I, I changed up the, the yeast strain that I used because I wanted to get it a little bit drier. Um, but and yeah, I, you can drink it room temperature or cold. It really is a preference thing. As I'm breathing out, I'm getting kind of a, a beer vibe from it. I don't know if that's if that's the right term. Like mm-hmm. what all other than the apples and the honey, is that all that went into this other than that and water? Uh, this also has uh, cinnamon. So I put cinnamon sticks in here and I put clove and I put um, orange peel and that is it. Yeah. I wonder what I'm getting because it's just, it's almost like it's drinking a little crispier, like mm-hmm. a crispy boy. <laughs> yeah, you, um, you get some of that. What is the uh, Stella makes that cedar? Oh yeah, mm-hmm. you get kind of like that, not like harsh edge, but there's sort of a like a, a appley fruit snap at the end of it. Mm-hmm. But yeah. uh, man, this is and 
Yeah, this is delicious. Great. So that's that's the acid that you're tasting is that little crispness and that okay. tart ah. edge. So does that is that retained the longer it holds on, or does that kind of fall off? Kind of like coffee would fall off in a stout. Right. Yeah, that'll fall off as time goes on. But when you have extra acid, that helps keep the the mead or the or wine or anything really fresh longer uh so that'll give it a little bit of longevity but that will really like what we're tasting today will taste completely different a year from now uh and it'll lose a lot of that tartness and sharpness um so like smelling it cold i hadn't smelled it cold yet i got a lot more of like a green apple aroma in it but when i smell it when i'm when it's warm it gets a lot more of a, a floral and kind of like hay aroma to me maybe that's what i'm confusing it with maybe it's almost like um that horse blanket like mm-hmm. yep. like that you get with the farmhouse ales. Yeah. Maybe a little bit of that on the end. Mm-hmm. And I even get that mm. in the flavor, too. So the acid gives me that kind of green apple tartness um, without being sweet. So that's the thing about this. It's like, this is not a sweet mead compared to what we just drank. Yeah. I mean, that was like kind of drinking honey compared to this. Yeah. yeah this so. almost drinks like a cider mm-hmm. like that you get woodchuck or what have you, Blake's. So this literally was cider when I first started. So, I mean, it tasted... Sweet. It's just like the cider you're going to get at the store. And, you know, you've gone from that really sweet apple, thick, full flavor to something that's very dry and, you know, has a tart flavor to it. I mean, it's it's incredible what you can do with that kind of thing. So we're going to go around the horn. We're each going to chip in two beers into our mixer sixer. These are the staff recommendations for the week. And I'll go first. Uh, the first one I'm going to throw in, and I can't remember if I've had this beer or not. And I went to Untapped, and I couldn't believe that I hadn't because I've seen it before. But the uh, the Hop Avenger IPA from uh, New Belgium. Oh yeah, they're Is doing that a, a new one? Yeah, they're doing a nice job of mixing up the variety in their twelve packs. They'll give you three of the regu- the regular Voodoo Rangers. You get three of the Juicy Haze. Then they throw in a couple of other. There's the always the extreme super um, ABV version. But this one I liked because it was a little bit. Um, a tiny bit fruitier, but it had a nice stiff malt backbone. It kind of, it's got a very West Coast IPA vibe to it. Yeah, and it's also seven point seven, but it drinks unbelievably swiftly. <laughs> I'll say, but uh, I, I drank the three out of my twelve pack, and I remember thinking, "Wow, that there's no, there's no more. I have to drink nine of these other things." But <laughs> I wanted, I wanted to go out and see if I could find it as an individual sixer, and it was uh, fantastic. And the other one I'm going to throw in is a beer that I started my vacation with this week. I got it at Prop Day, and I've been dying to have it because I'd never had the original. But the 2014 uh, Proprietors, Ooh, yeah. one, of, one of the variants, it's called the 14th Stout because they went back and dug up the recipe to their most popular version of Proprietors, and it's got panela sugar, coconut water, there's, there's cassia bark, uh, cocoa nibs, but it was very well done, and I liked how each one of those was pronounced. I was a little unsure of the panela sugar, what that tastes like or what that adds to it, but you get the cocoa, you get the uh, just... It's really, really well done, and I feel like it was in a time machine, and I'm like, all right, because 2015 was scrapped due to the uh, infection, hmm. 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, all the years that came after we've, we've had, so it was nice to, to try that. But also, it was a fitting, one of those beers you save for a special occasion, and we always laugh on the show that, you know, if you save it for a special occasion, eventually nothing's going to be special enough. So that was my big special one, is that, hey, I'm off work for two and a half weeks. Cheers to that. Yeah. Cheers to that. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I'm going to throw in uh, one Mars uh, from Bell's, Ooh. which I had that. And that's a 10% um, double IPA from Bell's. And what I'm loving, too, is that Bell's is starting to put out uh, double two-hearted in 16-ounce cans that we can look forward to in the new Ooh. year. I saw that. They've been that's- doing a nice job of getting their hype calendar out for 2022 because every, mm-hmm. every I think, three or four days for the last, what, month, they've been releasing things to look forward to. I wonder if that's the, the sell, you know, the whole... 
Larry sold to the New Belgium parent company and stuff, and now here they're they're like, hey man, we got a, a new way to make all these beers, and we've got a bunch of different properties that we can make them at. So let's get all this stuff out for all the fans. I like that Hop Slam was the big bad strong one at ten point two for the longest time, and then they came oh, out man. with Double Two Hearted, which was what is it eleven percent? Yeah, and it was in twelve ounce bottles, and they're like, no, these heathens, they drink it up too fast. We need to come out with bigger cans. So now we're getting it in sixteen, an eleven percent beer in sixteen ounce cans. <laughs> Have you seen Death Star? Lately, Death Star's coming in a 19 point something ounce can. It's like it's double the size of any any can that you get. Oh my goodness. It's Just amazing. Why? Just Co- why? Collectively, our tolerance this last five or six years has like gone berserk. <laughs> um, and the other one I'm throwing in is uh, one that I look forward to every year. We go up to uh, Petoskey area, and, and that's where we're headed after Christmas this year. So um, tomorrow we're going to head up there, and I really want to try. It's a, it's a red rye IPA, and it's called the Crimson Empress. Crimson Empress. I want to try that one. I want to pick that one up in crowler form and then uh, you know sip on that one. As I'm taking it easy over the next week or so. Taking it easy, keeping it sleazy. And uh, Joe Kuharik, our mead guy, what are two beers? Like, what are you into when you're not drinking mead? So I'm a big porter and stout guy. Like, those are kind of my favorite beers. Everybody likes – well, and I like sours too, but a lot of people like to go for the IPAs. But for me, it's it's stouts and porters. Uh, and, you know, we live in Indiana, but I have to admit I like a lot of the stuff that Michigan does. They do wine well. They do beer well. It's got that whole fruit belt going. They, they got it all going on. So one of mine that I tried for the first time last year was KBS's uh, Maple Mackinac Fudge. Fun. Ooh. And that is a darn good, darn good stout. And that's one that uh, that I, I, I'm going to revisit again for sure. Um, but the other one is uh, Prairie Artisan Ales Cherry Bomb. I've been kind of on a cherry kick this year. Uh, so as you can tell by making the cherry mm-hmm. mead. So I haven't had that one yet, uh, but I love their bomb series. And so I'm kind of excited to try that because one of the next things I want to brew that's beer-wise, not mead-wise, is kind of a cherry vanilla porter or cherry vanilla stout. So every time mm-hmm. I can get an opportunity to try something similar to that gives me a direction that I want to go. I think Prairie's bomb, the OG bomb, was like the very first thing, like the very first craft beer I ever saw that I thought – who in their right mind is going to pay nine dollars <laughs> for a twelve ounce beer? Like it was, I think you drank it. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was such an asinine price tag, and I, I, I had seen it for what two, three years at Belmont on the counter before I ever considered buying one. Then you buy one, and you think, wow, these guys they do it well, and everything they've done from a stout perspective is fantastic. But they're also into the hard seltzers and some of the sour game, and those they're always with the off the wall adjuncts, but they all work really, really well. Yeah, I think, I think they they made a, a hard seltzer. My wife had over the summer like a sour that had cinnamon in it, and it was just everything's really easy to taste and everything's well defined. But yeah, they do it they do it really well. Yeah, I, I got the bomb for my girlfriend recently because she hadn't had anything like that, and she saw it and she's like, "Well, this sounds pretty good." And then she drank it. She's like, "This is really good." <laughs> so I got another convert there. <laughs> and there's a deconstructed bomb too, where they have each flavor. So it's like maybe the chili peppers are in the one, the coffee's in the other, mm-hmm. and the vanilla's in, and so. If you can find that one, that one's like a specialty release, though. And nowadays, a nine a nine dollar beer doesn't even phase any of us. <laughs> no, yeah, they were ahead of the curve. So he not only makes and brews his own mead, but he does it with ingredients that he himself raises on the family farm, which is just about the most Indiana thing I could possibly say. <laughs> yeah, my friends like to give me a hard time. They say I'm a hipster before hipsters were cool. So yeah, that oh, makes me, I guess, yeah. the OG hipster. Which it's not, it's not like you just started. You've been doing this now for 15 years, right? <laughs> Um, so we've we've had your we've had some different uh, meads from you today. We've had some apple. We've had some cherry. 
Is there anything you, you've done in the past because you've brewed a ton of mead that you didn't like or a flavor that doesn't really translate well to, to making a mead with? That's a good question. Um, I have had a couple of times where I haven't had a apple mead come out the way that I wanted. Mm. Um, and some of that really comes down to you know experimentation and learning how things how the entire fermentation process works. So really a lot of times, you know, if you, you'll get a yeast package, there's a range of fermentation temperatures. And I've found over the years through a lot of trial and error that as you're brewing towards the colder temperatures, you're really going to get a better product out of the end because it's going to just, it's, it's going to be a lot clearer. It's going to be a lot crisper. You're going to get a lot more of those flavors. When you're brewing warm, you know, it can, in a lot of cases, ferment at, you know, close to 80 degrees, but that's really too hot. You know, it's not ideal for the yeast and you're going to get some off flavors and you're going to get some things that you really just don't want. So 90% of the time, if you're brewing colder or fermenting colder, I should say, uh, that's going to be a more ideal situation for you. So, and that's true for, so I tried an Oktoberfest making one of those for the first time this year and it was really too hot when I was fermenting it and it was fermenting around probably like 74 degrees and it really needed to be fermenting much closer to like 65 uh, and I noticed when I was all done that tasted a lot more like a stout or a brown ale than it did what I expected a Marizen to taste like. So, because typically a Marizen like a lager, so mm-hmm. you wanted to ferment at those cooler temperatures. Right. And uh, so that was gotcha. a that was a very real world experience that I had of like, well, I really fermented this too warm. Did, uh, were there like any off flavors? Because I know that sometimes there can be like that estuary vibe to mm-hmm. it that it almost tastes like bananas, and you're like, I did was not going for banana fruit in this, but because of that warmer temperature and using like American wheat yeast, I think typically. Um, um, uh, that's the word I'm looking for. Ferments at mm-hmm. a higher temperature than yeah. Than so I, I definitely got some of those off flavors, and I mean, it wasn't bad. It was a really good beer. Let me put it that you way. You drank it all. It tasted really good. Yeah, it's all oh. gone. <laughs> but stylistically, it was not an Oktoberfest <laughs> at all. So you know, I'm going to think about trying to do that now as we're coming up into March. You know, there's a reason it's called a Marzen that translates to March in German. So that's they they brew it then, and then they will move it into colder temperatures and lager throughout the summer, and that's how you actually get an Oktoberfest beer. Like using that Michigan cellar. Mm-hmm. Is that what it's called? The Michigan cooler, Michigan cellar. Yeah. When, when you throw it outside just let it sit out there right yeah so uh, are my eyes hazy right now yeah what's wrong with you <laughs> i don't know <laughs> a little bit of mead <laughs> yeah he's got the need for mead all right <laughs> now you, you mentioned uh to start the show that you got into mead uh making because is it mead making or brewing a mead making meeting yeah. meeting Mead. <laughs> yeah, I'm, sure. I'm in the meadery right now <laughs> um, so is it a meadster is there anything you've been able to take from from beer brewing and use with mead making and vice versa like have you have you been able to advance one or the other based off something you brought over from the other style yes everything damn i'm impressed with that question <laughs> that was a really good Warren, question. nice work dude <laughs> you deserve a drink yeah, Warren. A star on my chart <laughs> you know what uh, joe i'm gonna take a sip you give me my answer okay yeah uh so literally everything uh you know beer making mead making wine making it's all very connected and it's all equal parts science and equal part art so you have to understand a little bit of microbiology but you ha- also have to understand that no matter what the science says and the numbers say, say, you have to, at the end, have a product that you want to drink. Mm-hmm. So even like my Oktoberfest, that wasn't stylistically a good October Oktoberfest, it was a good beer and it mm-hmm. tasted good. So that's fine. You know, I'm okay with it. Um, but, you know, you learn everything from – you learn things from one that all translate to the other. So whether it's fermenting temperatures, whether it's how the sugars are broken down, what you need to add as far as acids or tannins, you know, it all kind of works together. So everything you brew is going to compound and give you a better product as you go by. So – 
Is sanitation as important? I know that um, not properly sanitizing can ruin an entire batch of beer, but is it the same deal with, with meat, or are you giving a little more leeway, or is it that big of a deal? I would say you probably have less leeway uh, mm-hmm. because you're dealing with fruits and uh, honey. So honey naturally um, will be like an antiseptic. So it can kind of – it can knock out a lot of those ant- uh, microbials, and it's not really as affected as much. Because it's also considered what? It's one of the only organic foods that doesn't have an expiration date. Right. Yeah, it'll never oh. go bad. Uh, I wow. mean, they found jars of honey in Egyptian tombs from – thousands of years ago that you could still eat still tastes good um but because you're dealing with fruits if you're doing a fruited fruited mead uh you probably have a little less leeway because um, those fruits are going to be affected a little bit more by things like mold and bacteria so yeah um really quick before we work because we're, we're gonna wrap the show up here in just a bit if somebody has been listening today and says wow mead sounds like something i'd like to try is there a good like i don't want to say like a bud light of mead but is there like a, a good <laughs> readily available mead that people can get on a store shelf that might be a good introduction or a good way to tip their toe in it. And I know you can find it every so often at a hop station. They'll have some. But, uh, like, what would be at Citywide or a Belmont or Blarney Stone, Chalet, whatever? You can find uh, Bee Nectar at a lot of those places. That's the, the meadery. Uh, it's a letter B and the Nectar with a K. Uh, they have a lot of different varieties. So, you know, not everybody may be in the mood for something like a honey mead. You know, you may want a blackberry or raspberry. And they've got a lot of different varieties. And I've noticed them at Citywide. I've seen them at Belmont um, and Blarney Stone. You can find them just about everywhere. And I think that's a good place to dip your toe into it if you haven't had mead before. And you know, a lot of people I think might not want to try a mead because they're a little worried about it. A little, it's not wine and it's not beer, so it's kind of that in between. So how's it going to affect me? You know, exactly, like, yeah. Mead headache or whatever. Right. Yeah. Right. So I think you know, getting one of those, a bottle of one of those, is a good way to kind of dip your toe into it. And personally, I think it's a it's a great pastime, great hobby, great thing to drink. And yeah, it's yeah. pretty buck wild that you make your own mead with your own bees and your own, your <laughs> own, own food. Yeah, dude, I love it. I love it. All right, all right, all right. Zach Miller's time to shine. Um, there's only a few things that I was going to touch on. One being that uh, we already mentioned it earlier in the show, but 16 ounce cans are readily available uh, come the new year for Bells, and they're double two hearted, which is going to be amazing and awesome. And I can't wait for that because. I mean, the only thing that you needed more than just a six-pack of a Double Two-Hearted is a whole four-pack of 16-ounce Double Two-Hearted, right? Uh, yeah. What do they say that's safe for sn- uh, sneaking into your golf bag this summer? <laughs> uh, I think four Double Two-Hearted would be yeah. perfect for your golf bag. All right. So then other than the uh, Two-Hearted, Double Two-Hearted being released in 16-ounce cans, now uh, KBS Hazelnut, that's coming up after the first of the year. That's going to lead the charge in the new Barrel House Series for Founders. And then last but not least, I'm super excited because one of my favorites, Narragansett. Have you had a Narragansett? I have, yes. Narragansett and New Belgium are producing a, it's called Norse by Norse West. <laughs> I like that. That's not going to make you sound like you're over the limit. Yeah, yeah give me a Norse by Norse West. It is, it's an 8% ABV. It's the first collaboration that has these earthy, fruity, and herbal tones. It's going to be just like their own farmhouse ale. And um, They've they also say, got a coffee stout out in addition to their shandy, too. Oh, mm-hmm. really? Yeah. Oh. Well, that's stuff to, stuff to look forward to, stuff to find on the shelves. Uh, unlike what you brought us today, this is not for sale anywhere. We've got the exclusive edition of... Uh, 
Joe's Meats today. Yeah, that's right. You, you got to butter me up a little bit if you want to get some of this. Hey, before we uh, close things out, is there? have you ever given any thought to going, in, going into like the business? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, but you know, the only issue is that it costs a lot of money to get started doing that. So, you know, indeed, indeed. Yeah, you got to yes. go through paperwork. There's like something like, I don't know, a stupid amount of pages of ATF paperwork you got to fill out. And the state doesn't care. Indiana's like, yeah, just give us like 500 bucks. You're good. But uh, yeah, federal uh-huh. government wants... Uh, a lot of their paperwork and stuff filled out, but That's yeah, you know. we found, haven't we? Federal stuff is typically the harder thing, or is it state? I can't remember. Uh, I think we because we were just talking um, uh, with Brandon from Niles last week, and he said that it's the opposite in Michigan. It's mm. oh. it's the uh, the federal government's really quick, but the state takes forever. Mm. I guess it all depends on what you want. But if you're starting up a brand new place, I imagine the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms would like to have a word with you and make sure you're not losing <laughs> yeah, it. That's a nice way to put it, a word with you. Yeah. Yes. Why don't you uh, come over here? But, well, young man. Uh. Yeah, well, you know what? If, if you ever turn the corner and, and think about making this a reality, uh, Zach and I know a lot of people through this show we can have you go talk to and see what kind of a headache you're getting into. <laughs> yeah, Hello, uh, private investors, if you would like to get into right, the right. business. Uh, <laughs> but uh, shoot, buddy man. Joe. Uh, Joe, we appreciate you taking the time. It's always it's finally nice to get you in and actually talk to you about this yeah. hobby that we only just tasted from time to time since being your, uh, your co-worker. But uh, on behalf of Zach and myself and Joe Kuharik with Meads, Cheers. Music to my beers. You know what's the best cure for a hangover? Never stop drinking. On Real Rock 103.9 The Bear. Podcasts by Federated Media.